Welcome back to Get Off Our Lawn, the podcast for CrossFit Masters. This week we're going deep into the holidays. No, we did not do a holiday gift guide. Just go buy some chalk. You can always use more chalk. On this episode, episode 12, we did get a chance to talk about holiday nutrition with Gwen Holton. Gwen's a longtime member of CF Masters and a co-founder of Beyond the Box Nutrition. Who better to ask about surviving the holidays with all of the inherent temptation around us than a nutrition coach? You know there will be cookies in the office and holiday parties and food, food, and more food. So what are some strategies for making it successfully through this maze of temptation and into a healthy new year? Gwen shares her insights and some suggestions on how to make it through unscathed. We also go into why she started Beyond the Box Nutrition how her previous corporate life managing and mentoring a team of over 10 sales reps aligns with nutrition coaching. And at the very end, she shares a pretty badass snippet of what makes her tick, how at 13, she had to play on an all-boys soccer team because the city her family moved to didn't have an elite girls soccer team, and she was determined to play. One thing about CF Masters is we have an amazing group of totally badass women It was great talking to Gwen, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. If it helps you make it through even one holiday party, then we've done our job. If you want to get a hold of Gwen, you can find her at beyondtheboxnutrition.com or on Instagram at beyondtheboxnutrition. If you like our content, please click five stars and maybe even share this with a friend. I'm guessing there are more than a few folks looking to get through the holidays unscathed. If you want to hear a specific topic, leave a comment, and we'll try and make that happen. Thank you, Merry Christmas, and Happy New Year. Let's get a little started here. Let's um, do it. Who, I always love to start off this way because, you know, it makes me sound edgy. Who the hell are you? <laughs> who the hell am I? Well, I am a 55-year-old female CrossFitter who I consider myself a corporate runaway. Um was in healthcare, uh, pharmaceuticals, and uh, worked for Walgreens. I worked for a large retailer and decided that I was ready to jump into the world of nutrition and helping people on the preventive side of things versus um, dealing with when they had already been diagnosed with something. And, you know, maybe they're on the other side of uh, health, unfortunately. So... Were you into coaching first and then kind of leaped into the preventative side or how'd you spin into that preventative side? Or was it just like, Hey, I want to get out of drug sales. Yeah. I mean, I, I was in pharmaceutical sales and then I was a sales manager and then went to work for a small startup pharmacy and we were acquired by Walgreens. Um, And, you know, I've always been into sports and I was a sales manager, so I coached 10 to 11 salespeople. So whether you call it a manager or a coach, I think it's the same thing. And I just really wanted to kind of bring the two together, being a coach, a leader, and you know, getting into the side of things where nutrition and lifestyle changes could complement what somebody was dealing with um, related to their medical diagnosis or their health. So I reached out to you because uh, the holidays are upon us 
And I know you've got a nutrition consulting company and um, maybe we'll go through a little bit of that. But one of the goals here is maybe share with folks how the hell to get through the holidays. So what is your nutrition company and maybe just a quick background and then we'll dive into the holiday advice. Sure. Um, The name of our company is Beyond the Box Nutrition which uh, has a couple of meanings. Obviously, we're both CrossFitters, so we know that one of the meetings is what happens outside of the box or beyond the box, meaning the CrossFit box is very important to how you perform when you're inside the box. So uh, we also believe that um, staying away from highly processed foods that typically come in boxes in your grocer's freezer um, is, a, is a good idea. We, we believe that nutrient-dense foods 80% to 90% of the time is what's going to get people to reach their goals, whatever they may be. Um, and just we want people thinking outside the box, meaning it's, it's not necessarily a dietary protocol, a prescriptive, like you need to do keto, you need to do low carb. We want people to really just think in new ways and be open-minded and let us guide them on a new journey and a new way of looking at their nutrition. It's kind of interesting. Well, before I was into CrossFit and just kind of reading like eat right for your blood type and all those things, I I forget who it was, but somebody said shop on the outside of the grocery store. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the inside is where all the boxes are and the outside is where all the real food is for the most part. Exactly. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of an interesting thought. I, I'm still on the inside because I still love ice cream. I'm not going to deny I like ice cream too. I mean, there's room for that. And I think people um, like to put everything in a category. It's a very black or white, all or nothing. You know, this food is good. This food is bad. I'm bad for eating this food. I'm good for eating this food. And we try to get our clients out of that mindset and really kind of take back the power and not give food that much power. There shouldn't be guilt or shame um, and just finding a way to be at um, more peace with how they're going through life and eating their food. Speaking of, of being at peace, we're, we're, we're in the time of peace and harmony and uh, catering and holiday parties and how, what is the gauge for being at peace with how you made it through this? Um, everyone is everyone's different. People are losing weight. People are maintaining weight. People are bulking, blah, blah, blah. But the holidays are a tough time. So what do you kind of have as a guiding light to get through this holiday period, given that it's, you know, you're, you're tempted? Yeah. I mean, there are definitely uh, many temptations, whether it's at work or social gatherings, and it definitely can be more tempting. Um, so I think the first thing that's really important to do is just to have a plan in advance of what you're comfortable with, what anyone is comfortable doing. So whether that's, I'm going to this party and I'm going to limit myself to two alcoholic drinks, or I'm going to have one plate of food and then I'm going to stop. I think that Um, It depends with each of our clients. It's a different strategy, just depending on where they're coming from. And that's what we'll talk about. And, but I do believe that just having that plan is really important. Another, another big thing I try to tell people is if it's, if the food has some really special meeting, let's say it's, it's a, um, it's, it's a, that's my dog. Sorry. <laughs> um, he came on the trip to California, but if it's, you know, if it's a special rack of lamb that your mother has made for 20 years and it's a family recipe and you love it and it's one of your favorite meals, I say, go for it. But if it's a cookie tray from Costco, um, you can get that anytime and it's not really high quality foods and there's not much meaning behind it. So just be really 
intentional about what foods you do eat and why you're eating them. I think the holidays, you know, we like to talk about joy and peace and all of those things, but it's definitely a stressful time for quite a few people. So I think it's having um, some additional tools in your toolbox to deal with stress and um, holiday anxiety that certainly comes up to some degree for everyone. And so whether that's you know, making sure that you've got a meditation practice or journaling, um, changing your environment if you're at somebody else's house and you're just feeling kind of boxed in, um, that you can, you know, go out for a walk or you can go to a different room. Uh, but once again, just having a plan on what you're going to do, because many of us do, including myself, use food and alcohol um, as a coping mechanism. So I think that's really important to have that ready to go in advance as well. You mentioned a meditation practice or a mindfulness and, and journaling. I, I would actually wonder, is that something you can recommend to somebody to start during the holidays or is that something they should have started a while ago and don't beat yourself up for trying new things? I mean, how do you look at starting a nutrition plan during the holidays or starting a new practice when things are a little un, up, up, up ended? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. It's, you know, many people do start in the new year, um, but I do have some very ambitious clients. I have a husband and wife client team, if you want to call them that, who just started about two and a half weeks ago. And we started in December. So um, that, you know, it was like, let's go. Why not? And you can really start anytime. And you mentioned about beating your oneself up. I think it's never a good time to do that. We are so hard on ourselves unnecessarily. And I think that's one of the things I try to instill in my clients is that this is, this is a learning process. This is a practice just like yoga would be or anything else that we do in our lives. So, you know, practice different techniques, try them out, see what works for you. I'll help guide you along the way. Um, but this isn't a pass or fail. This is people finding out what works for them and doing their best to find something that they can take with them throughout the rest of their lives, not for a 30 day you know, challenge to lose five pounds and, you know, take some pictures and show a before and after. This is an evolution and it's meant to be that. This is being recorded, I don't know, a couple of days before Christmas. And I posted this morning about the Game Changers movie, which is about the <laughs> vegan diet. What I really meant from that is N equals one. We're all an experiment. Mm -hmm. My body type is not your body type. The foods I respond to are not the foods you respond to. It's hard to understand how to experiment. So how do you do that with somebody to bring them along and, and say, okay, what, what actually works for you? Do you have a, a four-week trial period? Or how, how do you kind of shake that out to see what works for individuals? Yeah, that's a great question. And you're right. N equals one. Everybody is different. And there are many factors that go into it. We take, uh, we have our clients fill out a really extensive client intake form. And that includes what they've tried in the past um, as far as dieting, what their preferences are. Do they have any foods that they really like? Do they have foods that they crave? Do they have foods that they don't like? Are are they on a gluten-free diet because they have Hashimoto's or an autoimmune disease? So we take in quite a, quite a bit of information to figure out a starting point. And then it's really a collaboration. It's not where we're saying you need to try this. Um, Game Changers has definitely, we've gotten quite a few uh, inquiries on if people should be trying a plant-based diet. And I think it's just 
emblematic of our culture in the U.S. that we're always looking for the next best thing. And I think the most important thing anyone can do is stick with something for a certain period of time to give it enough of a trial period to know if it is working for them. And that may take some time to figure that out, but this isn't a race. This is, this is your life. And you know, take the time to figure out what works for you. My God, that's so hard though. Um, (laughs) I didn't say it was easy. (laughs) I I laugh because when I talk to my therapist, I'm like, I'll lay something out there and I'm like, what's the answer? And she'll look at me every time and be like, it's a process, Ron. It's a process. (laughs) I'm like, I know it's a process, but I'm an engineer and I want an answer. I, I love what you said though about looking at, well, not only going with a plan, but looking at what the dessert is or looking at what the food is, you know, if it's a pumpkin pie that your 12 year old made for the first time, or, you know, the cream pie that your grandma makes, have a slice, maybe a smaller slice. But, but if it's a Costco cookie, you can probably get that tomorrow too. And I think, I think a lot of people just have this scarcity mindset or hoarding mentality. They feel like if something's being offered, they have to accept it, that it would, if, they said no thank you and i think it's really important for people to develop that skill because if somebody has a time saying no thank you to food that's being that they don't my guess is that they're having trouble saying no in other areas of our life so um you know nutrition is how you go through life in other ways kind of how you one of the things that's fascinating to me about the holiday time is is the duration of meals For normal folks, you don't get three hours to sit with a buffet in front of you, stuff that's been made, you know, with love over the last couple of days. Mm -hmm. You get you get dinner and and it can be quick and you're done. How and maybe this is the plan thing, but how do you combat that where it's like, man, I really love those mashed potatoes and there's a whole vat of them right there. (laughs) And I'm sitting here and we're talking and we're having a good time and you know, it's an hour later and I'm not hungry, but it's all, you know, I could eat. You know, is that, is that something that you get from people of like that when it's a three hour meal versus a, a you know, quick hit? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think there are a lot of different ways that PD tempted, whether it's, you know, food sitting there for a long period of time. Um, it's, it's food that maybe they haven't seen in a while or other people are eating. There are lots of different triggers that can make people feel like they, even if they're not hungry. And I think it, it kind of goes back to developing that plan and trying new things. Like your therapist said, it is a process. So um, that could be focusing on the conversation and being really intentional about being present and knowing that you're spending time with people that maybe you don't see the rest of and focusing on the conversation, getting to know what's been going on in their lives, maybe having a cup of, uh, to distract you, uh, a cup of coffee, something that will, you know, maybe reduce the temptation or clear the table. If everybody's sitting around the table, you can just start putting things away or you can ask people if they'd like to move into a different where there isn't a huge vat of mashed potatoes is all that tempting every because that's just making it harder. <laughs> I mean, yeah. why do that to yourself? <laughs> Lead us not into temptation or something right. like that. I- uh, one of the ones that's interesting to me, and, and I'm I'm not a wine drinker per se. I mean, I'm much more of a beer IPA guy, but I find that wine is interesting because there's always somebody who wants to refill your glass for you. And it it's almost like a bottomless mimosa or something. And yeah, and I'm just kind of, like you said, maybe get a cup of tea or something. I'm just wondering if uh, switching alcohol for the, for the duration might be a good idea too. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean... 
you know, it's really hard. It's when everybody's drinking, I think it makes it more difficult to say, you know, no thanks. Uh, and, and like you said, another, another thing is when you have that bottomless <laughs> glass that everybody just keeps filling up, that can happen as well. So maybe you remove the glass, you finish it, and then you just have a glass of sparkling water or something else. So the glass isn't there and finish the amount that you've decided to drink that evening. Um, you know, like the other night, I just went to my friend makes a veal dish every Christmas and invites a bunch of us. Well, I don't need, so I loaded up on salad and I decided not to drink because I had a really busy day the next, I do sometimes have alcohol, but that night I didn't. And I've just gotten in the habit. I think people know because it's something that I've begun doing is that sometimes I drink, sometimes I don't and people bother me. But when I first started doing it, it's a shift. And anytime there's a shift in someone's behavior and you're around people that you're used to being around, whether it's your friends, family, or coworkers, it can make other people uncomfortable because it's typically about the fact that maybe they couldn't say no to a cake or they couldn't say no. So they're projecting that on to the other person because they, they don't have the done or they're feeling uncomfortable. So I think it's really important to remember that it's more about that person. And if you can keep that into perspective, I think it makes it a little easier. We're not saying be a monk. Right. We're saying, exactly. you know, just maybe moderate a little bit or maybe not. So I'm used to keto or, or which I don't do because I love carbs, macro counting, you know, zero fat. How do you approach clients? What do you do? Is there an overarching philosophy that you kind of apply? Yeah. I mean, I think when I first started, because I obviously came from the CrossFit world and I was counting macros myself, I had my, it was so successful for me that I assumed that would be the only approach for other people. But what I've learned over time after working with clients for the past two plus years is that macros may not be the right thing for, you know, back to what you were saying about N equals one. So, you know, many factors go into it. I do think that people need some way of counting or monitoring the food they're eating so that they know uh, what the correlation is between the food they're eating, how they're performing, their recovery, fat loss, muscle gain, whatever their goals are. There's got to be some way of doing it. I mean, there are even times where I'll have clients only track their protein and a little more flexibility on the carbs and the fat. Once again, it just depends on the situation. I have people who aren't counting because their diets are just really in shambles. And so we'll just focus on food quality at first because it's a little too much to get them from going to Dunkin' Donuts in the morning, Jimmy John's at lunch, and ordering pizza at night to get them, at that's their baseline, to counting macros. That's a little too ambitious right off the bat. So I might start somebody with just adding vegetables, drinking more water, preparing one meal a week, and I'm going to gradually ramp them up um, and build those skills over time because it would just probably be too overwhelming for the client. Let's take this back though. Why, why do you do CrossFit? Wow. I, <laughs> you know, I was really struggling. I was um, an athlete in high school and in college, I played one year of um, tennis in a division three school. And, you know, adulting is hard, as the kids say these days. <laughs> uh, and I just kind of lost my way. I stopped working out, you know, joined a couple of gyms. I ran two marathons um, in Chicago and did some different bar classes. I just never felt like I found community or that same spirit 
of athleticism and competition that I had growing up. And I was at a Lululemon store in Chicago, and it was actually a New Year's goal setting seminar after the store closed. And one of the employees said, oh, I, I tried this new workout. It's called CrossFit. Have you ever heard of it? And I said, no, I've never heard of it. What is it? So I, of course, go to Google and find the closest box. And uh, it took me three months to even go in. And <laughs> so, I mean, it, it was not, yeah, it was scary. People are afraid when they don't know what it is. So, so I started in March of 2010. So I'm almost at my 10-year um, CrossFit anniversary. And I just fell in love with the community, um, the challenge. Um, you know, when one of the coaches said to me, Gwen, it's great to see you. We'd like to see you a little more often, though. Uh, somebody noticed. It wasn't like going into a Globo gym and you just feel like a, nobody knows if you would show up or not. Whereas with CrossFit, people noticed and I just liked that. It truly felt like family and I felt like I belonged and the rest is history, as they say. Stunning to me how many people I'm talking to who are at nine years, 10 years, and I was a triathlete for 25 years on and off adventure racing, this, that, and the other. But I'm like, oh my God, it's been 10 years, a decade of CrossFit. <laughs> It's hard to believe you. (laughs) How the hell did that happen? I know. I agree. So you got to almost to the damn games once, right? Two years ago. Yes, it was close. Close. Seven spots away. So what was that? Were you training for it? Run us through that process. Because let me actually, let me stop you just one second here. Making the qualifier is badass. I don't care what anybody says. And getting to the games is insane. Getting to 27th is amazing. But I realize it's not that 20th place. It sucks to not be that. You know what I mean? At least it wasn't 21. (laughs) It would have been worse. (laughs) So now now that I've diverted with my lecture, what's your story? Oh, gosh. Uh, You know, I just, I I got the CrossFit bug. And I just, like, after I started and got my first pull-up and got my first handstand push-up, it just was like a drug. It was like, I just keep going. And then um, my business partner, Sheena Lorick, um, she actually was a CrossFit coach at the box where I previously attended. And she just had a really big influence on me. And she started programming for me individually. I stopped doing classes. And then I got a second CrossFit coach um, who was doing individual programming. And then I started doing just like smaller competition. And then NorCal Masters, because I have family in Northern California, I was like, oh, that looks like a great venue. And I'd love to do that. And and was scared to death to try it because I knew there were some really and. I just, it, I just kept getting more motivated and more excited about continuing to train and get better and better. And then for nine months leading into the Open in 2017, I, I think I missed one workout for a date. <laughs> and my coach, I switched my rest day and he's like, why didn't you work out last night? And I was like, well, I didn't even tell him. I said, I, I just, I switched my rest day. And he's like, if you want to go to the games, you can't do that. I was like, okay. <laughs> so there were there were mornings, 4 a.m., you know, getting up if I was on the road for work and I did what I had to do. I didn't have muscle ups at the beginning of those nine months of training and then, you know, got 19 strict muscle ups in a row um, one day when I was training and it just started coming together and it was 
so thrilling. It was so exciting. It was, it was a great time. But when you said when it comes together, when you've worked on a muscle up for literally sometimes a year, two years, and you get them. To me, CrossFit kind of gives us a lot of stuff that we get to, we get to dig into and get a sense of accomplishment from. Absolutely. And, and we carry that into every other area of our life. I mean, what I did in CrossFit allowed me to be a better employee before I started my own nutrition company. It put other things into perspective, relationships. And, you know, it sometimes does take years to get a movement. And I think, you know, we want everything so quickly. It's that short-term fix. And it takes work. Anything worthwhile really does take time and effort and discipline and it's so worth it. And, you know, you just have to be willing to put in the time. So I got to spin you back a little bit here. Um, if you blew off your workout for a date, how did, how was the date? <laughs> the date didn't work out. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'm still working on it. Uh, <laughs> Some people get so into their nutrition that they want to bring their scale to, to grandma's house for, <laughs> for Christmas dinner. And hey, if you need to have that level of control, and I'm sure there are people that do, what, what was your thoughts around, can I bring a scale to uh, the in-laws for Christmas dinner? You know, I think there are times strict and I think they're loose. And once again, I think it depends on the scenario. Are you trying to go to the game? You have to, and knowing that neither should be forever, that it's a periodized approach based on what you're, you know, like right now I'm not being, I'm coming off injury. Um, I'm not trying to get to the CrossFit games. Uh, so I'm not bringing the scale with wherever I go. <laughs> um, and I think people just, that's part of the flexibility and that food freedom and knowing that you will be different weights, body weights, body fat percentage. One time you might be in a muscle, you know, a massing phase, and then you might be in a caloric deficit. You're trying to lose a little bit of weight, but it's, it's a state of flow. Like nobody's going to stay where they are at any given point in time. So just roll with it and don't put too much pressure on yourself. So when you get people interested in joining Beyond the Box, what makes a good client? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think a good client is someone who is open to uh, learning um, different ways. Like a lot of times I think, not a lot necessarily, but people think that they have to do something incredibly restrictive. And, you know, I get a lot of people who overtrain and undereat, And because that's been drilled in our heads by the media, you know, exercise more, eat less. And that's not necessarily the case to get the best results. So people who have the courage and the ability to try something new, to test it out, to see if it works for them. And I, I do think that most of my clients really trust that I'm going to lead them. I mean, they've hired me for a reason. I want them to get results. I want them to be a happy client. Uh, so just really being open-minded and not you know, this narrow focus of what they've tried in the past, they need to keep doing that didn't work. So let's try something new. So what do you get out of coaching people? Oh, man, that's a good one. Uh, you know, I just feel like it's unfortunate with our, you know, being in healthcare for so many years, physicians, and you know, other healthcare providers the, the reimbursement system, it's just not set up for a lot of guidance on nutrition, whether it's related to a medical diagnosis or not. So, and people will go to Google or their neighbor or their sister or their spouse tried to diet. So, oh, maybe I should try that. I saw that Game Changers on Netflix. I'm going plant-based. Well, 
do you know why you want to go plant-based? What's, what's your goal? Why are you even doing it? And what outcome are you looking for? Um, so I just, I really love it when people can start asking those critical questions to themselves and they can come up with a solution. I'm not there to, to fix them. I'm there to facilitate that they do that work on their own, which seems like they shouldn't be paying me <laughs> because they have to do the work. But it's very fulfilling when people start to shift their mindset and their perspective on food. Um, it's, it's just a really rewarding feeling. So how holistic is your approach? Do you look at what people are doing from a workout perspective, you know, strength, marathoning, rowing, and then the, their periodization and adjust their food intakes associated with that? Do you look at it, maybe their their, their life choices and, and, you know, think about how they're reacting emotionally. Uh, I'm, I'm just really interested in how you kind of look at your clients as a, as, as a whole, or, or do you even look as, at them as a whole? Do you need to? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I was unprepared for how holistically we had to look at our clients, but it's, it's actually been a pleasant surprise because everything is interdependent. Um, nutrition, you know, sleep, exercise, movement, stress management, um, they all go together. If you have somebody who's not sleeping well, they're likely not eating well, they're not handling stress well. And if one of those areas is not addressed, the likelihood of somebody reaching the results they're looking for is not great, or they'll end up back where they were when they hired me. So my goal is you know, I want, as we call it, our clients to graduate. We want them to be self-sufficient and learn what they need to learn with us so that they can adapt and make those adjustments as they go along because they've learned those skills. Yes, sometimes the conversations are about, you know, what are you doing for stress management? You're sleeping four hours a night. That's not going to cut it. You know, you kind of don't earn your right to exercise if you only sleep four hours a night. Um, so it's, yes, it is very holistic and we have to address the whole picture. So how did you learn how to do that? Did you start seeing clients that were not hitting their goals and you had to figure out ways to help them or? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there are a couple of reasons I noticed it. One is I started my career in, in pharmaceutical sales. So I was calling on healthcare providers. So you know, there was a lot of talk about how you, um, how the physicians and other healthcare providers would get their patients to be compliant either to medication or other protocols so they would become healthier. So just being around that for years and then having to ask questions of the healthcare providers on how they're treating their patients. So I think it was just that I got really good at asking questions and observing and that background. And then I actually called on psychiatrists um, and so did my sales reps. So I think I had just a window. I've even been on locked units and, um, you know, psychiatric units. So I have that unique background. And then myself, I've actually been going to therapy. Um, so I think when, you know, just looking at those things in my own life has really allowed me to pick up on that in others. And then just being a coach and leading people along I think it's just kind of the perfect combination of, you know, having that awareness and being present for the client and knowing what they need. What's the breakdown of your client base? Is it all CrossFitters? Yeah, I mean, it started as CrossFitters, which makes sense uh, because my business partner actually, and then we have three other coaches and they're all CrossFitters. They're all CrossFit coaches, except for myself. I'm the only one that's the nutrition coach. 
So maybe I'll get my L1 one of these days. But um, so yeah, it started with CrossFitters and then it really kind of turned into word of mouth and referral because people were getting results and they were telling their friends and then it turned into other athletes. So I have a cyclist who owns his own company and he travels with a group of buddies every fall. Uh, He was in France this year, next year they're going to Norway. So we have uh, some rowers, high school rowers who are trying to get college scholarships. My business partner had a um, NCAA hockey player from Harvard. So that was all like just word of mouth. Um, and then my business partner, Sheena, was actually in the Olympics in 04 and 08 for Team Canada for softball. So she has, you know, quite a few connections um, in the sports world. And then we just started getting calls, referrals. I mean, search engine optimization, we're doing that. Um, so we get some leads off of the internet. And then Um, you know, Instagram, we have a big following on Instagram. So we'll get people reaching out from there. But we've done no paid advertising or anything to this point, which has been really nice. We haven't had to do that. That's pretty amazing. If you're if you're picking up leads, and you're doing it essentially off of sweat equity, that's pretty Mm -hmm. interesting. Yep. Back to my sales background. (laughs) (laughs) So what's next for you? You've uh, said you're coming off an injury. What, uh, what are your grand plans? Well, I, yeah, I, the the good news is this, this was my 10th open and I was still injured and I was really disappointed. I was traveling to San Diego and I went to CrossFit Invictus and I attempted 20.1. And when I tried to hinge to pick up the uh, barbell, it just wasn't happening. So that was disappointing, but I did end up getting two workouts in out of the five, which made me feel really good. So now um, the goal is to try to just get back to working on my gymnastics, which is my goat, um, and getting those muscle-ups back for sure, working on the handstand walks, which I don't have yet, and just hopefully making the qualifiers again and seeing what I can do. So I'm going to go in a little different direction because I've never asked this question of folks, but where do you think CrossFit is going? Oh, I, you know, it's, it's taken so many twists and turns. And I feel like the first few turns it took, it was really heartbreaking. Like I actually miss seeing Dave Castro on the announcements. (laughs) I never thought I'd say that, you know, and it was disappointing. I was in Madison as a spectator this year and I, you know, the coverage for the teens and the masters really deplorable. I mean, it was just, there was nothing. I I don't know where it's, I mean, I think the sport has longevity. I I think it'll probably continue to look different. I I can't even speculate what that will look like. I'm kind of amazed at how good the media coverage has gotten by essentially the CrossFit media team, Mm -hmm. but by people stepping in. I mean, the game streaming in Dubai, great camera work. I wish there was a counter and all that, you know, a rep counter, but it's like, wow, there's some really good media coverage coming out and a whole bunch of events. I kind of think that the open's still going to climb on back. It's like people are frustrated. There's two in a year. Next year, I think there's going to be a lot of participation again, and people are going to get stoked about it finally, I, I hope. What do you suggest to people maybe this is the same thing as holidays, but let's say you're on travel or you're on vacation and you got a client that is, is, is trying to maybe, you know, lean out a little bit. Do you tell them just take the week off and enjoy life? Do you tell them the plan thing? Um, what, how do you kind of approach that and, and, and help people? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I always like giving people choices. I have a client who just left for Jamaica this morning and she goes with her family every year and she's made some great progress so far. We've worked together for like two and a half months. And, you know, I always want to know, well, what's the client thinking? What did they want it to look like? Do they want to just maintain their weight? Do they want to continue as aggressively as we have been? Kind of what's the goal? And, you know, we start there and then we ask like, what seems like a good plan? And, you know, cause I don't want people coming back and being disappointed and stepping on the scale and, Oh, I guess I had a little too many cocktails. I'm a big believer that, you know, calling it, we call them diet breaks that psychologically, I think it's really important that if somebody's in a caloric deficit, I mean, that's stressful psychologically and physiologically, you can't stay there forever. So in some cases, I think it's great because then when you come back, kind of re-energized, you're ready to go psychologically, your body has actually taken a break, maybe you've come back up to maintenance calories, and then you've got a fresh start. And you know, I think if people are going on vacation, that, I mean, it can still look different than the last time you went on vacation. Um, and you can practice different things, but not sitting at the buffet for three hours and continuing to go back over and over again. Finding ways to moderate that enjoyment. I think what we've come to the conclusion of is buffets are bad. And, <laughs> yes. and vats of mashed potatoes are bad. That's mashed <laughs> So what have I not asked you about? Because there's a hell of a lot more to you than nutrition planning and CrossFit. Anything you want to share? Anything, any background that drove you to be where you are? You know, I think a big piece of it, when I actually lived in the Bay Area, I know you don't call it the Bay Area, but I lived in San Diego <laughs> when I was um, younger, like from second to seventh grade, and I played competitive soccer, and it was an all-girls team. Well, when I was 13, we moved to Philadelphia with my family, which you know, 13 is already a tough time for a child, but when you move from the West Coast to the East Coast, even tougher. And then when you want to play soccer and there's there's not one single all-girls team, and in fact, you're going to be the first girl to play on an all-boys team and people are going to make fun of you, including the parents, and it's not going to be an easy thing. Um, I think that shaped me a lot. Um, that really kind of kept me wanting to be competitive and just not give up. And I played and I played on the boys, you know, was not applauded for doing so. So being a 13 year old and having to deal with that was, was pretty tough. So I think that's, okay. yeah. <laughs> We're going there, but you played. So played, yeah, the, the, yeah. I mean, the paths are to, to play or to curl up in a ball. Right. And both of them, I would honestly say, are reasonable choices because, you know, we're the, roughly the same age, 52, 55. We forget that, well, you don't forget it because it was your damn life, that the Title IX didn't exist. And that's pretty fascinating. Why did you keep playing? You had every right to not. You had every right to step away. Yeah, I just, I, I think it was my personality. I think, you know, I had already moved from, I was born in Minnesota, moved to Ohio, then moved to California. So I really had to learn to adapt to new environments. And I think at that age, it was just, I don't think curling up in a ball was even an option. It was like, I'm, I'm a fighter and I'm, I'm going to show them. It's just, I was stubborn and, you know, I, I wasn't going to let them win. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I interviewed uh, Janice Hurley a couple days ago, and she said something, and I, I wish I would have picked up on it a little bit more, but she said when she went to Chico State for swimming, she walked into the weight room, 
and they asked her to leave because women didn't go in the weight room then. Wow. And uh, yeah, I know. I know. I just, there's so many badass chicks in this group <laughs> that have been through it. You know what I mean? Yes. Wow. We're forgetting. <laughs> I, it's fascinating to me because you guys have, I mean, you've been through it. It's like it, it's not an easy road today. I'm not saying that, you know, things are wine and roses, but man, to show up in, in, at 13 to be an elite soccer player as, as you're used to, and then to be like, oh, how do I fit into this group when it's all boys? It's, I, I don't even know what to say. It's just badass. That's pretty oh, cool. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and it just continued to happen. It's like I had to leave junior high school to go play on the high school softball team. And I would get dirty looks from the teachers because they don't want me leaving their class. So it was just good preparation for life because that shit happens. <laughs> Pharmaceutical sales. Did you get any shit for being a manager and a, and a, as a woman? No, I think by that time it was, um, you know, I think like the whole diversity and inclusion was really starting. I worked for a division of Johnson and Johnson and they were very progressive and made it a priority. Um, and I just, I felt very welcome. I didn't, uh, yeah, I, it was a great company to work for and didn't have many battles uh, related to gender there. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the soccer thing because I never would have thought to ask that question. That's pretty freaking yeah. cool. Uh, Gwen, if we want to get hold of you. Yes. How do we do that? You can go to Instagram is where we're most active, which is Beyond the Box Nutrition. And you can also go to our website, beyondtheboxnutrition.com. And we love posting lots of things that are helpful for clients, just our followers. Um, we have one of our nutrition coaches is a trained chef. So she posts recipes and we're pretty well-rounded. Another coach of ours, Leah, is a, an art therapist. Um, so we, have, we just have quite a, a mix of people, which we're really excited about. And the goal to get through Christmas and New Year's is to have a plan before you walk in the door. Have a plan. Don't beat yourself up. It's, you know, one or two weeks of the year. Um, you know, just look at it as a couple of meals. If you had Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, you know, Hanukkah, New Year's Eve, it's, it's probably less than 10 meals where you might have the opportunity with parties. And if you look at how many meals are in a calendar year, it's a pretty small percentage. So just enjoy it. If you've decided to eat something that you feel is a little decadent, higher in fat, just no guilt, no shame, nothing's bad. Just move on, enjoy the evening. Your next meal is a chance to start over again. Well, cool. Thank you so much for sharing some wisdom here. And I hope you have an incredible holiday season with your family out here in California. Thank you.